Good morning and welcome. In the Bible, the Word of God, we have 150 Psalms. Let me read this morning the six verses of Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, I trust you've got a sense of exuberance from the psalmist there. Um, now, I do realize that we don't have a lyre. We don't have a harp. We don't even have any cymbals. But we have the organ with Mark ready to play. We have our singers ready to help lead us in our worship this morning. And we have each other. So let's stand and sing our first hymn, My God, How Wonderful Thou Art.
For those who don't know me, I'm Martin Sumter, and I'm a member of this congregation. Welcome again to everyone in the building. Welcome to you who are on live stream. It's always good that we can be together in that particular way. And a particular welcome to those of you who are guests, who are visitors, and those who have well, just dropped in to see what this is all about. A warm welcome to you, and I trust you will enjoy your time together with us. We're just, we just started a series which we've called All Your Heart, and I think that's a great um, logo for it. I'm not very medical, so I presume that's something like what's beating sort of somewhere there. Um, Scott, later on, will be focusing on the answer from Jesus when he was asked, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. So today, that's what, in particular, Scott is going to be focusing on. Now, it does us well, then, at this time, to just quieten ourselves, to, with God's help, put away those thoughts of things that happened last week, perhaps this morning already, and perhaps the things that are coming up tomorrow and during the week. And to help us do that, we have a prayer of preparation, which Matt's going to bring up on the screen. Just look at those first words on the first screen. I count two lots of hearts that well fits in with what we're doing today. So, let us pray this together. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. And then it's always good to thank our almighty God, our Heavenly Father, for all that he's done for us. So let's join together then in this prayer, which is called a prayer of thanksgiving together. Gracious God, we humbly thank you for all your gifts so freely given to us, for life and health and safety, for power to work, leisure to rest, and for all that is beautiful in creation and human life. But above all, we praise you for our Saviour, Jesus Christ, for his death and resurrection, for the gift of your Spirit, and for the hope sharing in your glory. Fill our hearts with all joy and peace in believing, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now we're going to read together some excerpts from Psalm 19. Reading the Psalms has been part of um, the Anglican form of service for hundreds of years. And so in one sense, we look back with those who've prayed this over all of those years. So let's pray together these excerpts from Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my God, and my Redeemer. Amen. 
And now we're going to have our video news. Hi, and welcome to St. Matt's. It's just so great to have you here. If you're new or visiting, especially warm welcome to you. Um, and on that note, if you are new, um, would you please be so kind as to fill out one of our connection cards? They're just in the seats in front of you. Um, let us know that you've come along, um, give us your details or anything else that you want us to know that can be done on the connection card. If there's any feedback we have from our regulars, if there's an address change, anything like that, you can also let us know via the connection card. Um, and on that same trend of being new, if you're new or newish to St. Matt's, we run a course called the Onboard course that gives you some extra background on St. Matt's, how to get involved in the community, service opportunities, things like that. Just want to put it on your radar that our Onboard course is going to be on the first Monday in March, but there will be more details to follow in weeks to follow. Just put that on your radar, first Monday in March. The next thing um, that I really want to announce today is that the Alpha course will be starting on the 14th of February. That's this coming Tuesday, 14th of February, 7 p.m. on level two in the Daly Smith building. Um, if there's anyone that you even have an inkling in your mind or heart that you should be inviting along, do it. I'm here today to challenge you. If there's anyone that God is dropping into your heart at this very moment that you think should hear the gospel, invite them along to the Alpha Course. The Alpha Course is an eight-week course, um, but whoever you're inviting along doesn't even need to know that. They just need to come to the launch night, come and see what it's all about, and they can decide to carry on or not. There's beautiful dinner that's served. Our hosts and helpers are ready to go. It's also something that we're really prayerful about as a staff team. So we have been praying for months now, and definitely more so in the weeks running up to the start of this Alpha course, that there will be many people that come along that need to hear the great news that Jesus loves them and has died for them. So if there's someone you can think of, invite them. The worst that can happen is that they can decline. So I challenge you, even if there's one person, invite them along. If you want a digital copy of the invite, I can send that to you. Make contact with me via the Connect card. Um, even if you want um, wording for a text message, a very simple invite that you can send to a friend, let me know and I can help out with that as well. I'm gonna be praying that many will come along Many lives will be changed in this afternoon. Good morning, I'm Trish, and I'm going to pray for us now. If you all bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the blessings we have here in Manly. Peace comfort, security, and the ability to love you in freedom. We ask for your forgiveness when we have failed to love you as we should. We are sorry and ask that you transform us through your spirit to discipline our thoughts and actions so that we wholeheartedly love you and bring honour and glory to you by loving others as you have loved us. Our prayers for the world. Father, we know that you are a powerful and a loving God. We pray now that you will turn around the devastating, devastating effect of the earthquake that has had on the people of Syria and Turkey. We pray that somehow you will give them hope in amongst the chaos. We pray for a, an effective recovery effort, particularly for those who are flying in from Australia and other parts of the world to help. We pray that Christians who are in these countries and around the world will rise up and show your love and care to so many who have been hurt, not only from the catastrophic effects of the quake, but also the negligence of their own governments. May your comfort and strength reach all those who grieve their loss. In Australia, we bring before you the unrest in Alice Springs. There is so much generational hurt and pain there. We pray for wise, prompt and unified responses by the elders and all those in authority. We pray that the churches and the Christians in the area would show grace, love and hope to those who are broken. 
and we pray for our mission partner, Naomi Island, whose responsibility for children's ministry in the Northern Territory includes Alice Springs. Please continue to fill her with an abundance of energy, wisdom and your love as she shares the power of the gospel with the children. Closer to home this week, we bring before you the response to problem gambling. Father, we pray for growing political support for gambling reform in New South Wales, which leads to significant minimalisation of harm. We thank you for the provision of support for those who struggle with the bondage of this addictive behaviour and for those affected by its devastating outcomes. We ask that this support will continue and that many will not be afraid or too proud to, uh, to seek help when needed. For our own church family, we give you thanks and praise that the Alpha Course is about to start again this Tuesday. We pray that your Holy Spirit will move many to come. We give thanks for Suzanne and her team and we pray that they will work well together. Please prepare the hearts of those who come that are seeking the truth. May they hear your word clearly and may it take root in their hearts. Father, we pray for those who are experiencing unwelcome change, whether needing to move into assisted living, bad health, unemployment, relationship breakdown, managing the health of a loved one. We pray for patience, grace and trust in your plans for us. And help us, Lord, not only to see those in our St Matt's community who need help, but to show them your love and care. Lord, we thank you for the many blessings you give us. May we live each day knowing that we are made in your image and loved by you, the God who created the universe. Amen. Jesus was once asked, Lord, how should we pray? And the words that are about to appear are the words that he gave to those disciples now and which we can echo in saying the Lord's Prayer together. So together, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We'll now have our second hymn, and this is the hymn during which the collection will be taken. So let's stand.
Good morning. Um, the Bible reading this morning is from Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34, and you'll find it on page 1017 in the Church Bibles. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, them being the Sadducees. Nothing that Jesus had given them, noting that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one, and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Here ends the reading. Well, uh, thanks, Peggy, and good morning, everyone. Great to be together as usual. Good to have you guys uh, <clears throat> out there watching or joining in uh, online. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name is Scott. I know that because it says it on my name tag. So um, hopefully you got a name tag as well. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get underway. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for um, these words, the most important commandments. Well, we want to listen uh, attentively, so help us uh, do that right now for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Well, heart health, cardio health is important, isn't it? And I was recently inspired by a member of our church to train for a half marathon. She came in one Sunday morning about 9.30 a.m. with a race bib or a medal uh, related to the Sydney half marathon. Like she had literally run a half marathon and then was early to church. She didn't look at all flustered or sweaty or spent. She made it look easy. So I thought, I might train for one myself. So I started slowly, beginning with just two or three kilometers, and I added a few hundred meters uh, every um, extra every few days, just trying to be sensible. Now, it was yet to feel good, to be honest. I just felt varying levels of bad and less bad. In fact, the best part of running was immediately after I'd finished a run, and I knew I wouldn't have to go running again for two or three days. But I got to about eight kilometers one day, and I finished the run, and I leant forward to push the button to cross Pitwater Road near my house and something in my lower back just went wrong. And over the next 24 hours, it slowly moved down into my left buttock. And so now I was hobbling. And whenever anybody said, well, why are you hobbling? I, I was forced to say that I had broken my bum. And they would say, well, how did you do that? And I would just go by pressing. Oh, look, I really don't want to talk about it if that's okay. It's a very depressing story. <laughs> not heroically apprehending thieves or coming to the rescue of a damsel in distress. I just went to press a button. It's a very cautionary tale, isn't it? That reminds me it's good to train your heart and yet things can go wrong. And really that's what we're thinking about today, training our hearts in helpful rather than hurtful ways. Now, as Martin um, indicated, it's the second week in our All Your Heart series, and today is really the title track. We're, we're attempting to unpack Jesus' great command, which he borrowed from Moses, as it turns out, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, as we just heard in the reading. So what does it mean to love God with all your heart? What indeed is the heart as far as the Bible understands it, and why is it so important? And how can we train it? in helpful rather than hurtful ways so that we can love God with all of it. Well, that's our undertaking for today. It's quite a project, isn't it? Well, friends, before we work out why the heart is so important in Christian life, it seems to me we're going to need to work out exactly what the heart is. And, uh, you know, there is that neat little cartoon you've seen of the heart organ on a treadmill but when the Bible talks about the heart, it's obviously talking about something different from biology or cardiology. And I guess in sort of our modern parlance, the heart is synonymous with human emotions, isn't it? Especially the, the emotion of love and romantic love. 
the love heart is the symbol of romance and we're going to see them everywhere on Tuesday as people spend the contrived celebration of Valentine's Day by, well, spending really, at least double (laughs) for everything. But in love songs, we're encouraged to listen to our hearts. Uh, We might beg our lovers, don't go break in our hearts. And so we tend to think that the heart is really about emotions, especially love and especially about romantic love. But in the introduction to the Godly Habits booklet, I'll tell you a bit about that later, um, which will become a central feature of our study this term. It says this, the Bible speaks of the heart as the center of the person in a more complete manner than we normally think. It's the nucleus of personhood, the seat of human will, and the decision-making center. In short, the heart is a bigger deal in scripture than it is even in culture and medicine. It is the nucleus of personhood, the seat of human will, and the decision-making center. Uh, In his excellent book called You Are What You Love, James Smith describes the heart as the engine that drives our existence. And even more fully, he says, the heart is the fulcrum of your most fundamental longings, a visceral, subconscious orientation to the world. Now, that, that all sounds a bit mysterious, doesn't it? But in simpler terms, he means that the heart controls that which you desire or long for most in the world. And though we, you know, post, we very rational post-enlightenment beings believe that our minds are really mission control and that our decision-making is very rational and logical, it's actually our hearts that are mission control. It's interesting in that prayer that we prayed, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts, Not our minds, but our hearts. See, our hearts are really mission control, and they're not always that logical. They're visceral, which means they relate to kind of deep, inward feelings rather than our intellects. And even more than that, they're usually functioning at a subconscious level, kind of in the background, like a computer operating system, which means we're not often consciously controlling them. They're mostly controlling us. So that's what the Bible means when it talks about the heart. And I think that means the question of why the heart is important becomes apparent. The greatest commandment according to Jesus is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and yet yet our hearts are these visceral subconscious operating systems that we're barely able to explain or articulate. So it's going to be an interesting project trying to orient our hearts towards the love of God. And yet that is precisely what Jesus has commanded us in this greatest command. He's asking us to orient our hearts, these wayward vessels, so they're in alignment with God and God's loves. To maneuver our wants and desires so that they run in parallel with God's wants and desires for us. So that he becomes our all in all. So that we really do love him. We're enthralled by him as we heard about last week. We're captivated by his person and his purpose in the universe and even his purposes for our little lives. We're somehow more enthusiastic about knowing God than our upcoming trip to Italy or our cruise through the Mediterranean. To want to see Jesus even more than we want to see our kids or our grandkids grow up and get married or whatever it might be for you. To work for the kingdom of God rather than to build your own quite an undertaking and yet that'll be very good for us as Nathan showed us last week it's it's good for us when our lives we live our lives in alignment with the creator's intention it's not good for us when our hearts go astray and we burden our wealth or our achievements and success our pleasures and pastimes our family and friendships our place in the sun in magnificent manly with the burden of fulfilling our deepest longings because none of those things as lovely as each of them are has the ability to bear the weight of our hearts aching craves right saint augustine said famously of god you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. So God has put this wonderfully mysterious but very wayward thing called a heart inside us all. It was made for him 
it'll only find its rest when it finds him. And he becomes our all in all. And that's why it's so important for us to understand what's going on in there and to align our hearts with the will and the pleasure of God. But just to add a little bit of spice to the whole enterprise, we have to remember that the aligning of our hearts to God's is actually an inner work, really an inner work of God's spirit within us. Our hearts can't be tricked by us just imposing kind of external rules and regulations. Whatever we're going to do to align our hearts with God, it's going to have to work at that deep cellular level. Uh, external restraints won't do the trick. When uh, Carolyn and I were living in England, we were walking down the high street of a town somewhere, can't even remember. A lady came up to us and she said, uh, do you want to win a holiday to Spain? And I thought, well, who wouldn't? For a chance to win, all I had to do was write down in 25 words or less what I love about travel or why I should win the holiday or whatever it was. And as it turns out, I won. As it turns out, everybody who supplied their address in this competition also won. And as it turns out, our free holiday to Spain was conditional upon attending a three-hour drinks session at the resort, which included a personal presentation about investing in timeshare there. Now, I just thought to myself, one afternoon sales pitch for a week in the sun, like that still felt like a pretty good deal, especially in a cold English winter. But in the fine print, we noticed that uh, the offer was only open to British residents or citizens. Now, we figured they wouldn't care if they thought they could sign us up, but it was still a risk. So we came up with a plan. Carolyn would do the talking because she had developed this lovely uh, little English lilt, and I would take a back seat and say as little as possible. So they wouldn't find out that we weren't Brits. Now, I'm not joking. First minute in the personal interview, we meet the saleswoman, and all I say is hello, and she says, you're Australian, aren't you? It's not like I said, oh, good day, love. Just rode here, I'm a pet emu in the budgie smugglers, and by gosh, by golly, by crikey, by the rivers of Babylon. Hell of a ride. Like, two syllables. Barely that one measly word, and it came out. See, I couldn't, I couldn't hide it. I couldn't fake it. I am Australian to my core. It will inevitably come out. And that, friends, is the same with the heart, isn't it? You might remember in Matthew 15, the Pharisees were unhappy that Jesus' disciples didn't do kind of the ceremonial hand-washing thing before they ate. And Jesus says, it's not what goes into your mouth from your dirty hands or whatever that makes you unclean. It's what comes out from the heart that makes you unclean. Because stuff's going to come out of your mouth or it find expression through your hands or whatever. But really it comes from the heart and it'll give you away. So if our hearts need renovation or they need alignment or indexing to God, then that work needs to be done at the heart level, not um, purely at external regulation keeping. There's an inner work to be done. It really is a work of God by his spirit, which is only possible because of all that Jesus has done for us, but it can't be done from the outside in and it can't be faked. And so um, the question, I guess, that remains for us is how do we train our hearts? Uh, how, how do we tame or direct or reorient this wayward organ, especially when we're unaware of what direction it's pointing in most of the time? The Apostle Paul says to a young Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, he says, mate, the physical training is of some value, but godliness, training for godliness, has got value for all things, holding promise for this life and the life to come. He's into training. So we know what the heart is. We know why it's important. The question that remains is how do we train it? And friends, I think that's where godly habits or spiritual disciplines or practices really come to the fore. If it was just a matter of training the mind... If we were really brains on a stick, then education and information would be all that's required. You know, we could kind of teach ourselves um, what it meant to love God. And there will be an element of that in our series when we consider loving God with our minds. Because that's part of the command, isn't it? To love the Lord your God with all your mind. 
But because Jesus' command is all-encompassing, the love of the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength, that is, with everything you've got, with all that you are, all the time, it's going to require more than mere education and information. And be, particularly because our heart is this restless, visceral, subconscious orientation to the world, we're going to need to train it by doing as well as by learning, or perhaps the doing is part of the learning. And so we want to develop practices or habits that might take a bit of effort at the start, but then become automatic or automated over time. Because if you think about it, a habit is really any behavior that occurs automatically, over and over often unconsciously, and you think about your daily life, much of the action you take on a daily basis is the result of habits, for good or bad, rather than by deliberate choice, which means that the pattern of habits we develop have a profound influence over our schedules, don't they? What we do with the minutes and the hours and the days, which in other words are our lives. Our habits form our hearts and they really give shape to our lives uh, automatically and usually unconsciously. So I want to say would, you want to choose and develop and be immersed in good habits. In fact, you want to choose and develop and be immersed in godly habits because as we've seen, they form us as much as we form them. And so as a staff team with the help of volunteers, we've chosen kind of seven habit areas that we're going to hear about over the rest of this term as we continue to unpack these two great commands of Jesus. And if you're in a growth group, you'll be discussing them together. And if you're not in a growth group, I would encourage you to download a copy from the resources page of our website. Um, you can kind of see it there and read them for yourself. Or if you don't like the internet and you don't trust <laughs> that thing, then uh, grab a booklet. Got about 100 of them at the back of church. But if you hate reading, see, you, there's really no excuse. If you hate reading, I've recorded each chapter in, into an audio file, so you've effectively got an audio book, which means my parting gift to the good people of St. Matthews, you can each experience what my family members experience every day, me talking at them. <laughs> I'd recommend 1.5 speed. <laughs> but actually, um, what we've done is we've chosen seven habit areas that we think will be the most effective and the most useful in loving God and following Jesus in 21st century northern beaches life well here they are there's the area of prayer scripture sabbath friendship hospitality generosity and technology and you look at those and you think well they're not really habits or practices as such they're more habit areas and with each area there's a different practice you can try well i'm, I'm going to throw to some of the staff team let's watch a short clip and hear how some of them have given these godly habits a go. Let's hope this works. So one of the spiritual practices that I tried um, from the Godly Habits booklet was around the idea of friendship. And it was to have an hour conversation with the same person once a week. And so I phoned up a friend that I don't get to talk to all that often. And I said, I was very open and transparent about it. I said, um, I want to put the spiritual practice in place. I want to have a chat with you every week for an hour on the phone because it's often hard to meet face to face. Um, and would you be up for it? And she luckily agreed. And so once a week, we've got a little time slot where we chat to each other on the phone for an hour. It's not always an hour, around about 45 minutes to an hour. And it has been three months now that we've been doing it. And um, only for a few weeks here and there haven't we managed to catch up, but mostly we have. And I could just highly recommend it. Uh, we've really been a part of each other's spiritual walk journey. We've shared prayer points. We've been able to follow up how things have been going. Um, and it's just had a massive impact on me. And she has shared that it has a massive impact on her as well. Something I tried was the Glorify app. So I have the Glorify app on my phone. And I love it to be the first thing that I do when I wake up each morning. It gives us a, a Bible verse and then it goes into that Bible verse a little bit deeper and it finishes with a reflection. There's a whole lot to do in the Glorify app. Highly recommend it and I've been listening to that every day. It really works for me. So one of the things I tried doing was uh, wanting to be more persistent 
with my prayer life. Um, and so I decided to choose three things um, that I wanted to pray through uh, over a period of time and, and pray for them every day. Uh, so one was about myself, one was about my family, and one was about us here at St. Matt's. And so I picked those three things, uh, and then I, I got my Apple Watch, and I set uh, an alarm, three alarms actually, um, throughout the day, one at nine, one at 12, and one at eight o'clock at night. Uh, and the alarm just goes off, and that's my cue to stop what I'm doing and to pray through those three things got into a rhythm, into the habit of, of doing it. Um, there were times where I wasn't able to stop what I was doing. Um, and so, you know, I might not have prayed in that spot. And sometimes the prayers were not particularly profound, uh, but uh, even just a line or two to be able to shoot that up to the Lord um, was reinforcing to myself the importance of praying throughout the day. So a few years ago, my lovely friend Ning told me about how she was writing out passages of the Bible. And um, I think it was last year, Nathan told us how he was writing out parts of the Bible. So when it came to godly habits, I thought, I'm gonna give it a go. Um, so I uh, focused on uh, New Testament, the Gospels, and I, I really enjoyed it. I found it was a great way to reflect on um, uh, the word, um, but particularly when I got to um, the stories of the death and resurrection of Christ and I found it impacted me more than the story of the resurrection ever had. You really slow down when you're writing it and plus you, it goes through your mind a few times. You're reading it, you're writing it, you're rereading it. Uh, really made, made me slow down and reflect on the word a lot more. All right, great stories. Friends, um, it's not something for just the staff team to do. I really encourage every one of you to give them a go because um, there's no point in us just talking about practices. At the end of the day, practices need to be practiced, don't they? Especially if they're going to become godly habits that automatically or subconsciously calibrate and align our hearts back towards the love of God and following his wonderful son, the Lord Jesus. So I, I would love you to have a go at immersing yourself in the practices or developing habits in those areas of prayer, scripture, Sabbath, friendship, hospitality, generosity, and technology. Because I would love you to love God with all that you are and all that you have all the time. Because I would love your heart to find its rest in him whom we were all made for. Well, lastly, you might imagine a tension uh, or you might sense it between God's grace and kind of our human efforts in the area of habits. You might just feel unease about a, a program of practices or habits like we're introducing this term in case. You know, it becomes a new set of laws, a, a, another round of sanctified regulations, just another yoke around a believer's neck. And you might be thinking, Scott, so let me get it right. We're saved by grace, but, but we grow by works. Is that what you're saying? By our efforts at these godly habits and I would say well man there's a potential for that if godly habits aren't grounded in a work of God in renewing our hearts sure so <laughs> we want to be careful and I could cheekily say well grace is opposed to earning but it's not opposed to effort and that's true or I could even more cheekily say that Christian disciplines are what Christ's disciples do <laughs> that makes sense disciples do disciplines but maybe a better way of explaining it is to go back to Nathan's garden from last week actually we'll we'll, we'll go to mine um, again that's not mine nice picture though uh, but mine's looking pretty good these days the um, the front hedge is nicely clipped it's just high enough to mostly hide the bus shelter out the front the edges are neat and sharp the the back hedge it has gradually grown over the nine years we've been there so that now my neighbor and I look quizzically at each other from our kitchen windows underneath a neatly trimmed back hedge so I've actually cut the tops off I haven't told the wardens this but I've cut the tops off um, three of the strategically placed lily pillies and they've already started to sprout prolifically so by next summer uh, we'll all have privacy once again 
and the frangipanis are flowering abundantly and they're, they're spreading their pretty fragrance and dropping their crisp cream flowers all around. I, I like it's, it's not quite the Garden of Eden, <laughs> but it looks pretty good and, and I've grown to love it. But it hasn't always been this way. Like when, when we moved in, the front hedge was overgrown, it was overhanging and the lawns were a bit weedy and there weren't many frangipanis. So it's, it's taken work, you know, um, pulling weeds and planting trees and laying turf and getting sweaty and scratched and little spider bites. And yet the plain truth of it all, and you, you would sense this, is that I cannot make a leaf grow. <laughs> like not a single blade of grass. Not even one crisp cream petal can I make that grow so how do you reconcile these two ideas how do you put together that my garden has taken work years of it to the point where I you know I've got feelings towards it I'm going to miss it and yet I cannot make a single leaf grow well I must conclude that it's somewhat of a partnership the product of forces entirely out of my control but also the product of attentive although still amateur gardener now it can't flourish without the sun and the rain it can't but it does also respond to human sweat and intention and I know that if I pay no attention it won't necessarily die out and yet it won't thrive and yet if I'm tending to the garden it will respond and friends as we finish that seems like a very apt metaphor for a flourishing relationship with God in which our hearts slowly bend steadily towards becoming enthralled with him though our progress is not always in a straight line because it seems to me that there are too many forces within ourselves not to mention from outside of ourselves to just assume that that is all going to happen by chance it won't and so perhaps think of these godly habits these spiritual disciplines as the sweat we're willing to invest as God's spirit which is a force entirely outside of our control makes us grow aids our flourishing, trims and shapes our hearts so that we love God deeply, so that we love him with all of our hearts, these engines of our existence, so that these restless, wayward, visceral things find their rest, find their all in all in him who they were made for. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father God, you have, put in a, you have put a heart within us. It was made for you. It was made to love you. It will not find its rest until it finds its rest in you. And yet, <laughs> it, it's such a wayward thing that goes wandering and searching in all sorts of places. So we need your help. We need your great grace to be in operation in our lives. We also need good intentions and useful practices and habits that will align our hearts so that once again they love you and they find in you their all in all. So we ask for your grace and look for it to be at work in us in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. All right, friends, we're going to sing our next hymn. It's our last hymn, so I invite you to stand to sing with great joy.
Thank you, Andrew. Three things as we end our time together in this building. Firstly, please join us for tea and coffee in the function room through the door on your left, my right. Um, if you're a regular member and there's someone near you you think, hmm, don't know who that is, please invite them over. Secondly, may I share a struggle of mine? At the moment, I'm struggling to start a good habit of daily exercise. Uh, I do it once on one day, and I think, oh, conquered it. Wrong. Um, I actually do it, need to do it the next day and the next day. I'm struggling. That's over here. Then think, well, all oh, that's pretty trivial. When I need to put real effort into developing my ongoing relationship with my Heavenly Father. That's where I need to put the effort. That's where I need to struggle. But that's where I need to establish a real habit or practice. And thirdly, we're going to close with a prayer which will come up on our screen. It's called a prayer of dedication. Now, can I suggest that... Um, we're actually going to pray this to God, but we're also going to pray this to and for each other. So there's no actual need to pray it to the screen behind me. We're actually going to pray it to the person, you're going to pray it to the person next to you, perhaps behind you. So let's say this together and pray it for each other. Eternal God and Father, by whose power we are created and by whose love we are redeemed. Guide and strengthen us by your spirit that we may give ourselves to your service and live this week in love to one another and to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.